This morning we're continuing our message series through the book of Acts entitled Unstoppable. Um, often you've heard it described as the Acts of the Apostles, but really, in essence, it is the Acts of God. It is the Act of God establishing, growing, protecting His church and the gospel. And we're in chapter 4 this morning, and we see a powerful example here, a beautiful prayer. And the importance of prayer in the life of the first church there in Jerusalem, but also the demonstration of purposeful, powerful prayer that God responded to and responds to for you and for me. On March 30th, 1863, uh, President uh, Lincoln, on the National Day of Prayer, um, prayed. And before he did, he he said something. He said, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We've been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which has preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us and we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. Pretty powerful statement. That's 1863. It's as true now, that statement, as it was in 1863. And not just for our nation, but oftentimes for us as believers, for me. Because we've been given this beautiful gift, this gift of communicating with the creator of the universe, personal, intimate relationship and communication with Almighty God. It's interesting in that statement, he says right in the middle of it, Lincoln says, the reason why we've, they've neglected this prayer, why we've neglected it, he said, we have forgotten God. Mm. See, for a lot of us, we get too busy. I know for myself, we get too busy, too focused on my circumstances and the struggles that we go through, and I forget about God. Now, of course, I wouldn't say that. We wouldn't say that. I've forgotten about God. But in the treadmill of trying to keep my life on track, keep my bills paid, keep my responsibilities taken care of, keeping my family safe, all those things that become too self-sufficient. The call for all of us this morning is to remember God today, to recenter our attention on, on to Him so that we might live our lives today and the days to come with our eyes fixed on Christ and His perspective, His power, His purpose for our lives and for the world around us. And so today we continue from last week in chapter 4. We began at the beginning of chapter 4. It's a great place to begin. Um, and we're looking at this brand new church, right? The brand new church have been through Pentecost, all those things, the Holy Spirit moving, falling on them, and um, they, uh, they come to the church's first act of being persecuted as Peter and John are healing and preaching. 
And I want us to uh, notice here, their response was not necessarily to fight back immediately, right? It wasn't to start a petition to be signed. It wasn't uh, for religious freedom. It wasn't a boycott or a protest. It wasn't a big debate or argument. Their first knee-jerk, instinctive reaction was to pray. And so let's come to that point in Acts chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 23 through 31. It says this, When they were released, speaking of Peter and John, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea, everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. <clears throat> For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your spirit communicating that word to our hearts this morning, God. Lord, may we be doers and not hearers only. God, speak this morning. I have nothing clever enough or intelligent enough, insightful enough to say, but Holy Spirit, you do. So speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so uh, context again. Peter and John um, had healed this lame man. Remember, he was sitting at the gates uh, and asking for alms. And they said, gold and silver have I not, but what I give you. And they said, rise up and walk. And he was healed. And he's leaping around and praising God. The religious leaders and the Sadducees, they did not like it. 5,000 people had come to faith in Christ. Their lives were changed. Now they had hope. They had peace. The religious leaders did not like it. They were trying to figure out how to arrest them and keep them in prison. Telling them to be quiet, telling them to leave. They continued to threaten them. And, and finally, they let Peter and John go. And then Peter and John come back to their church family and tell them what is happening and so this is the first persecution that they've experienced as the church. And so these Christians, immediately when they heard it, it says they responded by lifting their voices in prayer. And so we talked about last week how all of us face persecution to one degree or another. We all face resistance and opposition. If, if indeed, as believers, you will talk about, walk with, live for Jesus you will face opposition. 
But if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, then we begin to live in reaction to the struggles and the pressures and the opposition and persecution around us. We slowly, subconsciously begin to depend on ourselves to be self-sufficient. We start to depend on our politicians. We start to depend on our own wisdom, our own plans. When our reaction and our foundation must be Jesus, right? If we're to not lose heart, if we're not to lose hope this morning in the struggle and the difficulty that we face and that's in the world all around us, Christ must be at the center of our hearts and lives. We must be dependent on him. And so the response of the church was to pray. And so I want us to look just for a moment at what this shows us about how we respond to our struggles, how we respond to persecution, the struggles that you're facing today, the difficulty in the world around us, the attacks from outside, but also the attacks from our flesh as well, right? And so what does that look like? Well, first of all, it looks like praise. There in verse 24 through 28, it says, When they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea that's everything and everything in them. Their first response was praise. Praise for who God is. Unchanging. They can bet on that. You can bet your life on who God is this morning. Sovereign Lord. The English word for the word used there in the Greek is despot. Now that's a terrible word to us. We think about his, history. We think about when we think about that, we think of oppression, we think of dictators, because it, it really um, literally means one who possesses undisputed ownership and absolute unrestricted authority. That's the word they used for sovereign Lord, for God Almighty. It was a word used for a slave owner or a ruler who has power that cannot be questioned. Now our culture pushes back on all that kind of language. But it had the same meaning then, and it has the same meaning today. And why do we push back? We, we push back because we don't trust anybody with that kind of power, right? Because we know instinctively that everybody will fail us. We've seen it over and over again. And that's because we've not been given that place we've not we've been not we've not been given that authority but we try we're little desperate want wannabes we want unrestricted lordship right in our own lives we want freedom to make whatever choice i want but here's the thing you and i were created to be dependent we were created to live life in submission to our Creator, our Sovereign Lord, not to be independent. And that is the war that's been going on since the garden. And this prayer of this, the early church demonstrated their absolute desperation, laying down their own pride and acknowledging and placing themselves in complete vulnerability to the Sovereign Lord. And they say in verse 29, they said, Grant to your servants... That word literally, doulos, bondservant, those who are not their own but have been bought with a price 
They lay their hearts and lives down before him, before God Almighty. That's where they begin. Is that where we begin? Is that where you are in your heart this morning? Do you approach God in your prayers as sovereign Lord? Do you approach him in prayer, humbling yourself in this way that seems drastic to us? Now, a lot of us would say, well, well of course, that's why I'm praying in the first place, because I want to know what God has to... No, it's, it's more than that. It's sovereign Lord. I recognize who you are, Lord God. All the noise of the world, all the, the things that I'm dealing with and seeing and hearing and things are so overwhelming, but I understand and realize that you are sovereign king over all, and you are my master. Let me encourage you this morning, make space in your prayers for that, to say it. It's not just an attitude, it is actually saying it in your prayers. And it's not groveling, it's confidence. It's reminding myself the confidence that I have in God Almighty. As I approach who He is, as I lay out my request, I come to Him first and foremost in faith. So remembering who God is, but also remembering what He has done. Right there in verse 24, they say, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Remember who God is. Listen, this morning, if you're struggling, if you're going through a storm, come before the Lord and praise. Give Him praise. Remember who He is. Remember what He's done. Just look around. Look at your life. Look at, go to the park and look around at creation. That's what they're talking about. You made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. It's all you, God. Psalm 19, beautiful psalm. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion, rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of his warmth. You know what overwhelms me as I read that? How much God cares for us when I wake up and hear the rain on the windowsill, <laughs> I think, what a faithful God. What a good God. But all creation is crying out. Look around. Give God praise for the creation. Yesterday, I, was, I took Ruby down to Lincoln Square for a dance, and I was waiting for her, and I, I went over to Lincoln Center. And that fountain out in front of Lincoln Center, it's so cool. As I went, I sat on it, and I, I had some prayers. I had some stuff I needed to unload. <laughs> oh, God. And I started. Something happened right at the beginning of that. God stopped me. And I remembered, remembered what I'm preaching today. And I just looked up because I was looking at myself. I was looking at all I was going through and what I had to give, what I had to bring to God. And I just looked up at the sky. I looked up at the trees. I looked around me. I said, God, you are the Lord of heaven and earth. You are the King of kings. All things are in your hand. Lord, you are the master. You are everything. 
You have blessed me. You have provided for me. You have protected me. Just give him praise for who he is and what he's done. Throughout history, they, they quote scripture here in verse 25. Who the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the, Gentile, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Anointed. That is Psalm 2. They're quoting from Psalm 2. They're speaking about in King David, about the opposition that he experienced, but also the Messiah, also Jesus. And they go into Christ as well because of this. This is a messianic prophecy. But listen, from the garden today and moving forward, rulers and kings of the earth have raged and will continue to rage. Mankind has set himself against God. And they're saying, Lord, we, we recognize that. We see that. But we know that you're still king. We know that you're not moved off of your throne. They're setting the stage for their request. Coming in, recognizing who he is. Let me encourage you this morning. Start your prayers that way. And then they go on in 27, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan predestined to take place. Many of these present were there, experienced this, at least heard about it. Jesus being mocked and beaten, drugged through the streets of Jerusalem. They saw it. The Roman soldiers, all that happened. The leaders in the bloodthirsty crowd, they saw it. But even in that, they said they knew, they know God is in control. And they were proclaiming their faith in him, in his power over their circumstances. This morning, let me encourage you. Proclaim God's power in your circumstances. Recognize that your circumstances are well within, understatement of the year, <laughs> the power of Almighty God. A God who loves you and has demonstrated that to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God had a plan, even in Jesus dying, even in the mob and the Roman soldiers and the religious leaders and taking him to the cross. God has a plan. He's working that plan out. Today he is as well. Throughout history, God has been orchestrating events, leaders, from before he flung the sun, moon, and stars into existence, since he breathed life into Adam and Eve's lungs through their rebellion, to the sacrifices of Cain and Abel through the flood, through the calling of Israel, their captivity, the slavery in Egypt and Babylon, to the Romans, Judas' betrayal and a kiss, Herod, Pilate, the screaming crowds, the soldiers who broke Jesus' legs and stabbed him in the pierced his side. God was on his throne and is on his throne. Grieved by our rebellion. Grieved by his creation. Motivated by love and his glory. Orchestrating and accomplishing salvation and redemption for you and for me. This morning, he's reaching out to you. He's pursuing you this morning. Jesus said, they were 
in Mark chapter 10, it says they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them and they were amazed and those who followed were afraid and taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him saying, see, we're going to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. God's plan is moving forward. You can take heart in that this morning. The world cannot stop it. The nations will rage. Like I said, as the psalmist wrote, the mountains will crumble into the sea. But God has been and continues to speak, draw, and save those who put their faith in him. His desire is our redemption, his glory. He continues to pursue. He continues to orchestrate. And so this church was declaring their praise, their confidence in God's sovereignty, power, grace, and faithfulness. This morning as we're singing this song, as we're doing with one voice proclaiming, God, you are who you say you are. You are all powerful. How great is our God. Name above all names. Lord, we believe that. That is what praise is. That is what worship is. And that's how we approach the Lord when we come and struggle difficulty and persecution in our prayers, we come with faith that he is on his throne. Oswald Chambers wrote, have you been asking God what he is going to do? He will never tell you. God does not tell you what he is going to do. He reveals to you who he is. We trust the rest. So praise, they came in praise. They also came in petition. Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They came with petition to God. You may say, well, why petition? Why petition this almighty master and Lord as if we can change his mind? Well, a few reasons. Number one, he tells us to. Philippians chapter 4 Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. God is calling you to himself this morning. He's calling you. Come, bring me your requests. Bring me your, your pain, your hurts. Come with gratefulness. Come with thanksgiving. Not, thank, not thankful necessarily for the pain I feel, although I trust that he is working that for my good and for his glory but thanksgiving for who he is, that he is a a God that I can trust, that I can come to, the privilege of coming to him. And again, with faith, it says, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders, they come with faith, trusting God that he is working and will continue to work. So the Lord wants to hear our prayers this morning. I love it when my kids call me for help. When they, get, when they get older and they get out and they start driving and stuff like that, and I'll get a call, you know, that they broke down or something. I don't, I don't want y'all to break down, but there's just something about it. Unless I told them to put gas in and they didn't put gas in it, then I'm a little aggravated. But I love to come to their rescue. I love to be that, that father who comes. That's my love language is to, to catch you. 
God catches us. God has us. First Peter, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 4, come boldly to his throne for help. Come to his throne of grace for help in time of need. He tells us to come to him in prayer, in petition. But also, it makes a difference. Our prayers make a difference. James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, there's a strange occurrence that happens. When we pray, when I come to the Lord in prayer, in faith, according to his will, reflecting on what I know about him, reflecting on scripture, and I come to him, it has the effect of changing me. You know, we talked about that a few weeks ago. God doesn't always change our circumstances, but he can change our hearts. Sometimes that's what he's doing in your struggle. He's changing you, not your circumstance. That's not always fun. He says in verse 29, Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Don't quit. Don't quit. Continue. Come to him. And when I pray, it makes a difference in me. It reminds me of the suffering of Christ. They start going through this in this city where they were, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus. They started talking about the sacrifice of Christ. And if Jesus suffered, how could I expect any different? My Lord suffered, stepped out of the throne room of heaven to bear our burdens and to walk in this world, this broken world. How can I expect to avoid suffering and difficulty and even persecution? But all of that as I'm praying, and I, it's, it's changing me. It's reminding me as I remember Scripture, as I remember what I know about the Lord, and as the Holy Spirit works in my heart. Hebrews 4, 4 tells us we have a high priest who experienced temptation that we all experience and was without sin. That should give us confidence. It changes me. And finally, the Lord acts. The Lord acts when we pray. It says there in verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God hears your prayers this morning. He calls you to pray, and He answers. He moves. James 1, 6, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive any, anything from the Lord. What is, that, what is that saying there? That is saying when you pray with faith, believing, you will receive. It doesn't mean you're going to get what you think you're going to get, what you think you need, but that's a blessing. When I start with praise, when I start with recognizing who God is, sovereign, Lord of all, my king, my master, demonstrated his love for me on the cross, came for me, pursued me, loves me, provides for me, calls me to cast my cares on him, then it's a blessing whatever he decides. Thank you, God. You know, sometimes... We are, we're in the process of putting together my office. We had to, I had to move it in my building from one, building, one room to the other. And we're putting it together and getting a desk and decorating all this stuff. And 
and my wife sends me these desks during the day like that she's thinking about buying or different things she's thinking about decorating with and just say do you like question mark or what or just a question mark and sometimes I'll say no sometimes I say yes but you know what I've come to realize I have no idea I have no idea. I'm not good at that. I might think I like something and then I just have no imagination. I cannot do it. She is much better at it. She can visualize the whole thing. So a lot of times I'll just say, you just do it. I trust your judgment more than I trust my own. That's what God is calling us to prayer. That's, what, that's the kind of surrender that he's calling you to this morning. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're dealing with, He's calling you to trust in him. Bring your fears, bring your doubts, your questions. Yes, bring your requests and faith. And the prayer of faith says, I trust that God is able and sovereign. I believe he's faithful and good. I believe that he wants me to pray. I trust that he is answering whether I can see it or not in accordance with his good, perfect will. It may not look like what I think it should, but I'm going to ask and I'm going to trust and he gives a peace that passes understanding. Jesus is a wonderful example of everything. Another uh, understatement of the year. But you remember in the garden when he prayed. And he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. He put that request there. He put that prayer there. And then you know what he said next. Nevertheless, not, what, not my will, but yours be done. He didn't hang on to that. Answered this. It's like what I often do. God, I need you to answer this. Wait a minute. What, what are you doing? I, I have this. No, he said, here, God, will you? This is, this is the way I see it. This is, the, this is my request. I bring it to you, God. But ultimately, your will be done. Is that what you want for your life? Ask yourself, is that really what I want for my life? Because these guys, some of them died being crucified in prison. Trust Jesus this morning. Bring your, bring your request. Give him praise. Make your petitions known. And then finally, proceed with peace. It says in verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They went forward. They walked forward. So it means I pray and I'm understanding that a response is going to be necessary. When you pray and you come to the Lord, it's not just about passive faith. It's about coming and saying, Lord, here am I, send me, and being willing to go and then take steps of faith. It's not sitting back and expecting God to drop an anvil on me or whatever. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm not just saying. I'm listening. And it requires slowing, slowing down, making space in my prayers to hear, to mull over Scripture, to mull, to think there with the Holy Spirit as I, as I make my requests known. That's not always easy. And as the Spirit speaks to me, when the Lord shows me in His Word and through His Spirit where He's leading me or gives me an answer, obey. Whether it's conviction of specific sins, whether it's a call to be reconciled or forgive, if it's conviction to be in the Word more and to pray more. And listen, there will be times when God's answer to you and to me is 
hard. He is God and I am not. So most of the time, I don't see things his way. And what makes sense to me does not make sense. It may be unpopular. It may seem like it gets in the way of your progress. You may lose friends. There may be broken relationships. But my allegiance, my focus is Christ. My hope and my faith is in Him. And His will is all that matters. And He says to proceed, so to step out in faith, to obey, but with peace. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. They're standing before the king. He's saying, bow. They're saying, no. He's saying, I'm going to throw you in the fire. And this is what they said. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Beautiful faith. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They understood that God had a plan and it was above what he may have revealed to them. They were hoping, they were praying for him to deliver them, but they left room for God to do what he saw fit, what he saw fit. And it may have been for them to burn up in that fire. But they had settled their hearts that his will was much better. God's perspective is much wiser than anything they could ask or hope for. And what they did know is what God had already made clear. That they're to have no other gods before him and they said, we will not bow. Sometimes you don't have to guess what God's will is. He's given us a whole book of it and his spirit. You've heard it said and it's been attributed to several different people, but God's will is what we would choose if we knew what God knows, <laughs> but we don't. You know, Peter eventually was put to death. We don't know the details of it, but we know Jesus talked about him, uh, what seems to be being crucified. And the tradition says he was crucified upside down at the hands of Nero in Rome not too long after this. But he trusted. They moved on. They continued in faith. They prayed, made their requests known, and then stepped out in faith. They were full of the Spirit. They were in God's hands. This theme of faith is through all of this. We praise God because we have faith that he is who he says he is. We make our requests known because we believe that he hears us and responds according to his will. And we step out. We obey because we know that he's with us and he has things in the palm of his hand. It's like Oswald Chambers also said, trust God and do the next thing. Sometimes we don't have a clear answer. But what we do know is who he is. And we believe that he hears and he answers and he will not let me go. And so we don't have to be frozen in indecisiveness. We, we make it clear. We spend time in worship and, and casting our cares on him, asking for him to guide us. And then we step and he directs our steps. The older I get, I get more indecisive at times. There's sometimes when I go into a room and I forget why I went into that room. 
where I'll come out on the sidewalk some mornings and I'm like, all right, which coffee shop? I mean, I literally, I'll, I'll step out of the way of people because I'm like, and I don't even know what I'm considering. I'm just like, I can go there or there. It's like I get frozen. God calls us to step out in faith. Take steps. Move forward. An old pastor told me one time, a rolling tractor is easier to steer than one sitting still. Step out in faith. I look back at my life and it seems, it's like a wave. It seems like a wave of God directing me and moving us in our lives. He guides, he answers. People debate over the will of God. The bottom line is this, profess your faith in him, build your life on his sovereignty, his faithfulness and goodness, bring every area of your life under his lordship, cast your cares on him, make your requests known to him, give him praise and walk by faith. In closing, in 2 Kings, you know, there's a, there's a account of a, some events there. The king of Syria is pursuing Israel and Elisha seeking to capture and destroy Elisha. He's aggravated with him and he finds out where they are and he sends his army to capture them. And in the middle of the night, they come and they surround the city, right? Ready to attack them. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha sends his servant to go look and see what's out there. And it says in verse 15, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, Behold, an army with horses and chariots <clears throat> was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. All around Elisha. God is faithful. God sees you. God's got you. He's calling you to himself. Calling you closer. Calling you to cast your cares on him. Whatever you're facing today. When you look around at the world and the difficulty and the brokenness. You may be in the middle of a storm. You may be in the middle of a time of just being disheartened or confused or lack of peace. You may feel overwhelmed. You may even be struggling with your faith. Listen, this morning, find your rest in who God is. He loves you. He cares for you. He never fails. He never leaves. He's on his throne. Run to him with confidence. Spend some time giving him praise, reminding yourself of who he is and what he's done. And listen, I want to end with this because this is critical. God's number one concern for you this morning, whatever you're going through, is not your health. It's not your family. It's not your finances. It's not your relationships. It's not your comfort or your happiness. It is your holiness. It is that you are being transformed into the image of his son. Everything else is secondary to that. So as you pray, 
Know that as you come to him. Realize that. Understand that. Lay your heart before him. And in every request, ask him to do that. Continue to grow you. Grow your faith. So I'm going to close with this encouragement from Philippians chapter 4 and then we'll pray. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You can put your faith in that today. Let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you don't have bad days like me. But God, you're on your throne. God, you see all, you know all. And Lord, we do not. And we don't always understand what is happening in the world around us. We don't always understand what's happening in our own lives. But we know that you do. We know that you know every detail. God, you have been faithful from before the beginning of time. You have been holy and perfect, just, loving. And God, you see every one of us. You see our hearts. You see our burdens, our struggles, our pains, our joys. And this morning, Lord, you call us closer to you. You call us to come to you. And as we, we read this passage of Scripture this morning that you have preserved and brought to us that we might read it, we see your people immediately as they go through struggle and difficulty coming to you, lifting up their voices in praise and in confidence and in faith of who you are and what you've done. And God, we do that this morning. You are the Lord God of heaven and earth. All things are under your control. God, we bring our cares. We bring our brokenness. God, move in each one of our hearts. Holy Spirit, move into the places that we've blocked off from you. Move in those places. Bring conviction. Bring encouragement. God, we give you praise for what you will do. But more than that, who you are. Lord, give us that kind of faith. The faith of Job that says, though he slay me, I will trust in him. Lord, we want to live that way. And Lord, we know that the world around us is watching. The world around us is struggling. The world around us sees things dark and difficult and they're looking at their neighbors. And Lord, may they see in us a hope. And may they be curious as to what this hope is. And may we be ready to give a reason for the hope that is Christ Jesus. Lord, we, we love you. We trust you this morning in Christ's name. Amen.